We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. We're coming to one of the most famous chapters in the Bible. And, you know, it's full of a list of people uh, that I want you to know, by the way, are living. These people have not passed on and uh, are dead. They are uh, living today uh, with the Lord himself. And so we're going to talk about what faith is this morning. And I know that you probably have a definition in your mind of what you believe faith might be. And... I hope today through the scripture that you uh, can come to agreement with your thought in your mind or it might change the way you feel about faith as we go through the Bible today. Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the triumphs of faith. And I want us to stand together and we're going to read verse 1, 2, and 6. We'll talk a little more about others, but we're going to read those two. Verses 1, 2, and 6. Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the men of old gained approval. Verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Father, we pray this morning that you would give the gift of faith to every person in this room today. I pray they would not leave without that gift in their life. I pray they would understand what that gift means and they would be able to uh, surrender to you through that gift of faith. And I pray, Father, your will be done in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. There are some elemental essentials to the Christian faith, and one of those is the word faith. It's different between a Christian and a non-Christian. We're not talking today about faith in general. We're talking today about faith in God. All right, here's a, a quote on the screen from David Thoreau. It says, If I seem to walk out of step with others... It is because I am listening to another drum beat. So to discover what faith is, it might be easier to start off with what faith is not. Faith is not positive thinking. Faith is not going with your gut. Faith is not following a hunch. Faith is not hoping for the best. Faith is not hoping that things turn out right. Faith is not being optimistic. All of those things are contributed to faith. But I want you to know those are not faith. It's none of those things. So what is faith? Well, we got a definition that we read this morning. Verses 1 through 7 will answer that question for us. Verses 8 and following then tell us how faith works. But verses 1 through 7 give us the definition of faith and what it is. So... Let's talk about it. Notice in verse 1, the word hoped for. It says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So let me give you a, a little shock. Faith begins with you being discontent. Faith begins with you being discouraged. Hoped for. Things hoped for. So faith begins with you realizing that things are not right in your life. That you wish 
for something different. You wish for something better. That's where faith really has its root. Things hoped for. The assurance of things hoped for. You believe, as a person of faith, that there is something better for you. There's something different for you. There's something beyond you, perhaps. So the enemy of faith is really a complacent spirit. I enjoy things as they are. I like the status quo. I wouldn't change anything about my life. If you think like that, you'll never become a person of faith. Faith is really being discontent with the things in your life and the way that you're going and the outcome you have arrived at. Faith is seeing that there is more to life, something better beyond what you have, something that's different than what you have. In verse 6 it says, And without faith it's impossible to please God, for he who comes to God. You see, you don't come to God searching for Him. You come answering His search for you. God searches for you, my friend. And when you realize that, then you come to Him. And that's what it says. Without that faith, that discontent in your life, you'll never understand the things that God can do for you and through you. Many people ask the question, why am I here? Faith will answer that for you. Faith will show you why you're here. Faith will give you the answer to that question. So the first ingredient of faith is that I hope for something else. Hope for something different. I'm discontent with the way things are. The second ingredient to faith is also in verse 1. And it says, the conviction of things not seen. So I realize and am discontent with life to understand there must be something better. So I hope for those things. And then it also talks about an awareness of something that is different. The conviction of things not seen. So I have an awareness that there is something beyond the life I'm living. There's something better than the life I'm living. There's something out there. And the Bible teaches us that thing that's out there is the spiritual kingdom of God. The spiritual realm of life. So I can't see that. I can't weigh it. I can't measure it. I can't even really touch it, but I realize and I am convicted or convinced that it is there. So that is faith, being discontent with what I have, but knowing there's something else there that I can't see, that I can't touch, that I can't weigh, measure, or analyze. I just understand it to be there. Even more than that, this thing that is unseen, this conviction that is unseen, explains the things that are seen in my life. I can see uh, the earth, I can see the sky, I can see fire, I can see water, 
But all of those things together really cannot be explained. I can't under explain earth apart from faith. Oh, I can go with science and say it happened by chance. A big bang of energy took place and that's how y'all and I are here today. I, I can't even wrap my head around that. Faith is easier to believe than that. Amen. But that's what science wants to tell me. So uh, Jesus beautifully described these things that we cannot see that we're convinced of. A Father in heaven. A Father who loves us. A Father who has a heart for people and for His children. A place that is called home for us. The universe, according to Jesus, is not some machine that just rumbles along and clanks along and rolls along. The universe, to Jesus, is the dwelling place of God. It's a home for the Creator. That's how Jesus describes the universe and, and for you and I to be a part of that. So in verse 6, I must believe that God exists in order that I can have this faith. You know, it's hard to believe in a God you can't see, isn't it? It's hard to follow that path of faith. But I want you to think about it for a minute. Is it really that hard? You know, these children that went out to ch children's church just now, and even younger than that, they understand God. They believe in God. It would, you would think it would be difficult for a child to believe in something they can't see. But when you talk to a child about God, they certainly gather it up, don't they? A person has to be trained to reject the evidence of God. So as you grow up in a world that rejects God, it begins to affect you. And as you come into adolescence and you become a teenager and you get on into adulthood, you are trained to reject the evidence of God and therefore you find that God possibly cannot be real. Because look at the evidence. And so, men and women, it's not hard to believe in God. In fact, it's easier to believe in God than it is to reject the evidence. It's not hard to find the truth in God. All people start out believing in God, but not all people end up believing in God because they have been reprogrammed and retrained to reject the evidence of God. So, what is it that I am convinced of? The things that are not seen. Well, there's a third ingredient that I want you to see in verse 1. It's the assurance of things hoped for. So there is the things that are hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, and the assurance of things that are better, that are different, that I might be looking for in my life. All of this plays into the definition of faith. This will be... Um, for you and I, acting upon the things that I can't see. That's the assurance that I find in them. Let's put it all together, if I can. Faith is a longing for something better. It is an awareness that there is something else. And it is the assurance that this something else has been revealed to me by someone. So let me say it again. Faith is the 
longing for something better, the awareness that there is something better, and the idea or the assurance that someone has revealed this to me. That is faith. That's what we understand here in the first two verses of Hebrews chapter 11. And then we take another step and we begin to act upon the things that are revealed to us. And then we achieve the things that we hope for. So you have to put its full circle. I am hoping for better things. I'm discontent with my life. I'm hoping for better things. I am now convinced that there's things that I cannot see, but they are real. And I know that to be so. And then I fall in line with the obedience of the one who revealed it to me. And guess what? I'm rewarded with the things I've hoped for. That is faith. That is something the world cannot see. Now the practical application or results of faith is found in verse 3. We haven't read that, but let's do that now. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. You know, when this was written in the first century, science, if there was such a thing, more philosophy or philosophers than scientists in those days, but they believed in the elements as I described to you earlier. Earth, fire, water, air, or sky. And you know what? 2,000 years later, our science has broken the elements down into earth, water, fire, and sky. 2,000 years of scientific development and research and studies has led us to that conclusion that was made in the first century. Wow. Wow. That's where science has taken us. What does that tell me? That tells me that I cannot see or understand the things that are seen until I realize the things that are not seen. Okay? What does that mean? It means that faith takes me places that this world could never take me. Faith explains to me the earth, the water, the sky, and fire. Faith explains those things to me. Science hasn't got a clue. They haven't gained anything in 2,000 years. They're simply rolling down that same dead-end road. But faith explains the unseen things to me. I'm going to show you a quote now. You might get tickled at this, but I'm going to show you a quote from the president of the Stanford University Research Institute. I didn't put his name up there for his benefit. Here's what he said. Whoa, he didn't say that. (laughs) Hey, Colton, help me out, man. I might have hit the wrong button here. There we go. Through the years, he says, I have struggled to gain understanding of electricity and magnetism in order to help harness these forces for man's use. Even so, I cannot now give a lucid definition of electricity or magnetism except to say that they are invisible forces which have real manifestations. Can you believe that? And a man of that 
grade of intelligence will stand before you and tell you that God's not real. That the things that are not seen can be unproven. Right? We see that faith takes us beyond science. Faith takes us right up into the reality of mankind and the earth and what it is here for and why we act like we do and so forth and so on. Faith puts us in touch with reality. That's the genius of faith. That's the glory and the value of faith. Faith deals with facts. Amen? We're not following a God who deals on untruth. We're following a God who deals on truth and purpose and reason and results. For instance, science cannot tell me how human history will end. But faith does. Amen? Science cannot tell me why humans act the way they do. But faith does. Sin and godlessness and righteousness. Faith tells me that, not science. Science cannot tell me how or what happens beyond death's door. It's a mystery to science. But faith tells me what happens. Amen? It's a reality. It is a truth. It is something that God gives to us. By faith, we know these things. Science doesn't teach us that. Science cannot teach you that. Only God through faith can show you the reality of life. So science cannot give me peace within. Science cannot tell me or teach me how to become a man. Science can't do that. But faith can give me inner peace. Faith can lead me in how to become a man and lead my family. Faith can do that for us. Mankind is still searching for thousands of years for the very thing that faith could have taken them to in the Garden of Eden. Science is running down a dead-end road. But faith reveals the things that are not seen to explain the things that are seen. Earth, fire, water, and sky. I know why they're here. I know the purpose of them. I know what's going to happen because I have faith. The assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. And those things explain to me and give me credibility in the eyes of God because you can't come to Him unless you have faith. You see that? So it's important that we gather all of that up. And then God gives us some examples of faith there in verses 4 through 7. We haven't read those. Let's do that again. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts. And through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. You know, I've heard all kinds of teaching about that. Why did God accept Abel's offering and not Cain's? And somebody said, well, God, uh, Abel's, I mean, Cain's heart wasn't right. It really has nothing to do with it. Well, it has a little bit to do with that. But it's not the offering. But it is the offering. Okay? It is what Cain brought to God. 
It is what Abel brought to God. Both of these boys were the first brothers in the world. Can you imagine? And they lived in the simplest life that could be possible. And yet, both of these boys had a discontent and a longing for God in their life. And so they began to worship God as God instructed them to worship Him. And they become men of faith. But Cain started to believe the lie. The lie was this, that any old way to God is as good as any other way to God. And so Cain brought the easy way to God. He went out and picked a couple of pieces of fruit and an ear of corn and a grain of wheat, a head of wheat, and he put them on a platter and he brought them to God and he was rejected. Why was he rejected? Because he didn't bring the proper offering. The proper offering is a life laid down. That has been that way from the very beginning. Even when God laid down the life of the animal that he slaughtered to cover the sin of Cain and Abel's mom and dad. A life laid down. That's the proper offering. A blood sacrifice. Abel brought a blood sacrifice to God. A life laid down. Abel understood what God was after. A life laid down. Cain understood nothing of a life laid down. And he brought an improper offering to God. And he was rejected for it. Any old way to God is not as good as any other way. There's one way to God, my friend. And that's you laying down your life to God. That's the only way that you can come to Him. I don't mean by a blood sacrifice of yourself. What I mean by that is that Jesus laid down His life for you. So that you could lay down your life to God. Amen? Present your bodies a living sacrifice to God. Holy and acceptable to Him. Understand that, church. Coming to Christ requires faith. But on top of that, it requires a life laid down for you to come to God. So Cain missed the boat, and Abel was successful in that. The second example that we see is in verse 5. Let's read that. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. You know, I, I've done some sermons, messages, or funeral messages about Enoch, talking about him. And, you know, the Bible says in Genesis, Enoch was the seventh generation from Adam. And so... The Bible says that when Enoch 
became 65 years old, he had a son named Methuselah. And then it says, and then Enoch walked with God. So for 65 years, Enoch was not walking with God. He was just living life like it was. Full of trying to fulfill himself apart from a holy God. And he realized something. I'm discontent. There's got to be something better. There's something out there I can't see, but I know it's there. And then he became sure of that through his surrender and relationship with God. And Enoch received the things he was hoping for. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And you put all that together and you fall in line with obedience to the one who revealed that to you. And then you get the things you hoped for. And so Enoch lived another 300 years after Methuselah was born. Why? I want to show you the answer. What happened to Enoch when he was 65 years old? He was discontent. Amen? Yes, we understand that. But I want to show you the answer. Look in verse 27 of this same chapter. We're going to be talking about Moses here, but this falls in line exactly with Enoch. Verse 27 says this, By faith he, being Moses, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. The conviction of things not seen. Enoch and Moses both were convinced of the unseen God. They were discontent with their life. Could you imagine Moses growing up in Egypt and being in Pharaoh's house and having every whim answered and every desire fulfilled and everything he wanted? But he was discontent with that. Because he knew there was something better for him. What about you? Are you status quo with your life? You're happy with the way it is? Or are you discontent? And you know there's something better for you. Listen, God is speaking to you right now. There is something better. He's revealing that to you. And He's convincing you there is more for you ahead So faith is falling in line with obedience to the one who revealed it to you. And that's all that he's asking you to do is love him in return and fall in line with him. And you will have that faith that God is giving. Now, what happened to Enoch back in chapter 11 of verse 5? We see that he was taken up. You know, I read a little story about a, a girl who came home from Sunday school and she was going to teach her little brother about Enoch. And she said, the Bible says Enoch walked with God. And so she told her little brother, they went on a walk one day, God and Enoch. And they walked so far away from Enoch's home that when it became bedtime, God said, Enoch, it's too far for you to go home why don't you just come on home with me? And Enoch went with God to his home. What is that a picture of anyway? 
What is that a picture of God taking Enoch? I'll tell you what it is. It's a picture of the death of a Christian. It's a picture of God taking his people home, and death is so minuscule in that picture that it's hardly worth mentioning. Did you hear me? The death of a Christian is the picture of Enoch going with God. And death is hardly worth mentioning. It's a step home. It's a step to God. And then it says in verse 6, And anyone who comes to God must have faith to be pleasing to God. And so that's a picture that we see, an example. We see Enoch, we see the uh, very picture of Abel, and now one more illustration we can find there in verse 7. Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. God controls history. That's what Noah believed. God, the unseen God, is in charge of creation and in charge of things. And I want you to understand this about Noah. God told him to build an ark. How far away was Noah from any body of water? 500 miles. Who in their right mind would build a boat 500 miles from any body of water? Okay? That's what the people were saying about good old nutty Noah. I can imagine the talk about Noah in the town. But, by faith, he built the ark. What is that a picture of, the ark? Salvation. You dads see here today. Are you building the ark for your family? Are you doing everything you can to see that your family is saved? That your family has opportunity? That your family can come into salvation in Jesus Christ? Are you, dad and grandpa, doing that today? That's a picture of Noah building the ark for the salvation of his household. So we need to take note of that, I believe. Now, he built that ark out of reverence for God. Noah had never seen rain before. He didn't know what that was. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 says, God watered the earth by a mist, like we had this morning when we got up. It had never rained on the earth until God flooded it that day with Noah and his family inside the ark. Faith shows the Noah, I'm sorry, the faith of Noah shows how short-sighted the world is. The world you and I live in, live for now. Live for today. But you and I have faith in better things and things unseen. And we have the conviction and the assurance of those because we follow the God who revealed it to us. And we know that one day He'll give us the things we've hoped for. Amen? We know that with beyond a shadow of a doubt. So faith shows how short-sighted the world really is. My friend, this is faith. Let's go through it quickly and I'll close. 
Faith believes in another dimension of life other than the one that we can touch, taste, see, or feel. Did you hear me? Faith believes in another dimension of life other than the one we can touch, taste, see, or feel. Faith believes in the spiritual realm. Faith believes in the kingdom of God. Faith believes all of life's questions are answered in that kingdom. Hallelujah. You come into the kingdom of God, you get all your questions answered. It's that easy. It's that simple. They're all found in the kingdom of God. Faith believes God, by His grace, stepped down into human history and told us great and valuable things. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to come down here and tell us how to get up there. But He did because He wants you with Him. He wants you to be a part of that. He's made it for you. He's created it for you. He's preparing a place for you now. If you will come to Him by faith, being convicted of the things that we cannot see, that, by the way, explain the things we can see. Faith deals in reality. Faith believes those things. It adjusts its life to those things, and it walks in accordance to those things. The world will mock you because of your faith. And because the world does not understand, the man of faith wins the day because we see the things as they really are. That's the glory of faith. You ask somebody that's worldly, how does this world end? They can't tell you. They don't know. But you know by faith. Now, do you have that faith? Do you have the trust in God in that way? Is there a hunger in your life for more or for better in your existence? Are you ready to commit obedience to God to accept His verdict of you and His viewpoint of you? I believe that's the biggest drawback to anyone being saved today. They will not accept what God says they are. They're sinners, lost and undone. They're sinners that need to be saved. That's why He came, my friend, to save you, to rescue you. Not to shame you, not to put you somewhere that you don't want to be, not to give you things that you don't want, not to make you go somewhere, not to make you do something. He came to rescue you. Because right now, you are bound for hell. Do you see that? And God came to save and rescue. And He's calling you. So you have to believe that He exists. Or you'll never be saved. You have to be discontent with your life. Or you'll never come to faith. Remember, discontent is the root of faith. I'm discontent with how I am and what I do and why I do it. So come to God. Follow in line with His obedience and He'll give you all the things you hope and long for through faith. Do you have that faith? Is your life willing to commit to Him and His verdict and His view? My brothers, that is faith. 
surrendering to God and laying down your life. Abel was the first human being to learn that. And God gave him righteousness because he came and offered the laid down life. Will you do that today? Let's pray. Father, we ask you to bless this moment in this time, in this building, in this room. I know you're dealing with every heart. I know that some are cold against you. I know that some are lukewarm. I know that some are on fire for you. I pray, Father, that you use your spirit to work his works in this place and break through the barriers that stop a man or a woman or a child from coming to you. And let them see the unseen things so that they might believe and be saved. We pray that today in Jesus' name. Amen.